if you have a Bible, either a printed copy like I have here or a digital copy, let me encourage you to hold it up right now and repeat after me what we believe about this book. This is God's Word. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now take your Bible, your copy of God's Word, and turn with me this morning to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we've been in a series on the family, and today we're going to talk about a part of the family that I'm afraid oftentimes has been unintentionally overlooked and, and maybe even neglected, and that's our singleness, our singles, those who aren't married. I've got to be honest with you, when it comes to being an expert voice on, on being single, on how to be single effectively and joyfully, I'm certainly not that voice. I'm not an expert. I started dating my wife when I was 21, and we got married about a little over two years after then. We've been married for almost 40 years, so I don't know a lot about being single. But what I have observed and what I have studied is that singleness is growing in America. I want to give you some facts about singles that I discovered this past week. First of all, singles now outnumber married adults in America. In 1950, married adults made up 78% of all households. Today, married couples make up only 48% of households. 1950, 78%. Today, 48%. Second truth. Almost half of new births are to unmarried mothers. More and more women are choosing to give birth outside of marriage for a variety of reasons. Third truth, only 30% of millennials say that having a successful marriage is, is one of the important things in their life. This is down from 47% of Gen Xers. So less and less people are saying marriage is important to me. And then the final fact, in 2020, four in 10 Americans said that they believe that marriage is becoming obsolete. 40% of Americans said marriage is, is no longer a, an institution that is important to our lives. Now, why is this? Now, I think it's for a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons, I think, is because our society is becoming more and more acceptable of singleness than ever before. And that's good because singleness is a good thing when we see it from God's perspective. And the most exhaustive place in God's Word that, that talks about singleness is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And so that's where I want us to hang out this morning as we try to understand a little bit more about being single today. And so I want to read to you verses 7 through 9, and then I want to go down and read to you verses 25 through 38. First of all, verse 7. The Apostle Paul says, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Now, just think about that. Paul, the Apostle, 
This great missionary founder of so many churches said, I wish everybody was single. But God gives to some the gift of marriage and to others the gift of singleness. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's it's better to marry than to burn with lust. Now then drop down to verse 25. In verse 25 it says, Now regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them, but the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted. And so I'll share with you, because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you those problems. But let me say this to brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not forsake or focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of this world should not become attached to them. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. Now let's stop there for just a moment because what Paul says in in verses 30 through 32 is important to us whether we're married or single, whether we're young or old. What I've discovered is it's easy to get attached to the things of this world. I get it. The things of this world are enjoyable. The things of this world are fun. The things of this world are appealing to us. But we need never forget that the things of this world are passing away. There is going to come a day when this world as we know it and the things of this world will be no more. And we need to make sure in these days that we aren't investing all of our time, all of our effort, all of our energies, all of our attention to things that will be no more. We need to make sure that we're focusing on eternal things, things that will last forever. Now let's get back to verse 32. He goes on and he says, an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord, best with as few distractions as possible. But if a man thinks that he's treating his fiancée improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes. It's not a sin. But if he has decided firmly not to marry, and there is no urgency, and he can control his passion, he does well not to marry. So the person who marries his fiancée does well, and the person who doesn't marry does even better. Now, when I read this passage to my daughter Mary, who was married and, and had five kid, four kids, she said, that sounds pretty good. And it does. I mean, the Apostle Paul makes singleness sound so appealing. 
There was a time that I'm afraid that we look down on singles. We had this idea that if, if someone was single, if someone was married, then certainly there was something wrong with them. But that view is anything but biblical. And unfortunately, I'm afraid at times the church has promoted that view. And so let me give you some myths about marriage and singleness. First of all, myth number one, marriage is God's plan for everyone. Some have this idea that they will never be complete unless they are married. But if that's true, then Jesus wasn't complete. Neither was the Apostle Paul. Neither was um, John the Baptist. God's Word makes it clear that not everyone is called to be married. And not everyone should be married. Myth number two. My life plus someone else equals happiness. You see, our culture today communicates to us that if we find the right person, then we will be happy. And this is something that, that not only affects singles, but married people as well. If we're not happy, we assume that we're not married to the right person. We haven't found the right person. But I've got news for you. There's nothing or no one on this earth that can make you happy. Happiness doesn't come from outside. Happiness doesn't come from a person. It comes from inside. I want you to listen very carefully. If you're unhappy before you get married, you're going to be unhappy when you get married. You're just going to take your unhappiness with you. And that's going to affect the person you marry. Marriage will never make you happy. Myth number three, singleness results in loneliness while marriage results in intimacy. Some have this idea that if you're single, you must be lonely. While if you're married, you're never lonely. You found your soulmate. But you need to understand God created Eve not to remedy Adam's loneliness. God created Eve to remedy Adam's aloneness. You see, you can be in a crowd and still be lonely. You can have a spouse and never have intimacy. You see, intimacy and sex are two entirely different things. You can have sex without intimacy. And you can have intimacy without sex. You don't need sex to be intimate with a person. Intimacy is, is connecting with a person at a deep level, at a soul level. Someone once said that intimacy is into me, you see. And I think that's a good definition. Intimacy is when we connect with a person at a deep level and we let them see into us. We're willing to expose ourselves to them. Intimacy. And so marriage doesn't necessarily guarantee intimacy. And, and singleness, people who are single can experience intimacy. And finally, myth number four. Singles are limited in their service to God. Some have this idea that if I want to really make an impact for the kingdom of God, I need a spouse, I need to be married. But, but that idea has been proven untrue, not only in Scripture, but throughout the history of the church. Annie Armstrong, who was the founder of the Women's Missionary Union, which was an organization that supported missions in the Southern Baptist life for a number of years, was single. 
because of her, thousands upon thousands of missionaries have been supported. Lottie Moon, Bertha Smith were two of our great Southern Baptist missionaries who were some of the greatest spokesmen for the kingdom of God ever in Southern Baptist life. They were single. Bill Wallace was a medical missionary that gave his life as a martyr in China. He was never married, but he made a profound impact for the kingdom. And I could go on and on. Listen, you don't have to be married to make an impact on the kingdom of God. you got to love Jesus to make an impact for the kingdom of God. So what does the Bible say about singleness? Well, let me give you several truths we see in this passage. First of all, singleness is a good thing. Listen to what it says in verse 8. It says, Now to the unmarried and, and the widow I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. Did you get that? Paul said it is good to be unmarried. Now that word good, kalos in, in the Greek, literally means valuable. It means beneficial, honorable, virtuous, right. You see, being single is doesn't mean there is something wrong with you. The, the Apostle Paul said being single is a beneficial thing. Being single is an honorable thing. And then listen to what he says in verse 38. He says, so the person who marries his fiance does well, and the person who doesn't marry does even better. Now that word better, the Greek word that's translated better there, means a greater advantage. Think about that. What the Apostle Paul is saying is, if you're single, that doesn't mean you have a disadvantage. Paul is saying that if you're single, you have a greater advantage. I read a helpful article this week by um, a lady named Paige Benton who was single. The article was entitled, Singled Out by God for Good. I want to read to you some of this article that she wrote. She said, accepting singleness, whether temporary or permanent, does not hinge on speculation about answers God has not given to our list of whys, but rather on celebration of the life he has given. I am not single because I am too spiritually unstable to possibly deserve a husband, nor because I am too spiritually mature to possibly need one. I'm single because God is so abundantly good to me. This is his best for me. Am I a Christian single or am I a single Christian? The discrepancy in grammatical construction may seem somewhat subtle, but the difference in mindset is profound. Which one word is determinative and, and one word is descriptive? You see, we singles are chronic amnesiacs. We forget who we are and we forget whose we are. I am a single Christian. My identity is not found in my marital status, but in my redemptive status. I am one of the haves I am, one of the not, I am not one of the have-nots. Can I get an amen? I mean, that's a good word. She's saying, and the Apostle Paul's saying here, that singleness is not a curse. It's, it's an honorable thing, totally acceptable by God Almighty. You are not incomplete because you're not married. You are part of the family, and you have a place in the family of God. Singleness is a good thing. The second thing Paul teaches us here is that your singleness is a gift from God to others. Listen to what he says in verse 7. He says, but I wish everyone were single just as I am, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. Now, 
Now, Paul tells us in Corinthians that, that all believers have been given a spiritual gift. He, he focuses on this in chapters 12 through 14. And yet here in chapter 7, he tells us that singleness is a gift. And the amazing thing is, is that Paul uses the same word here that he uses of the gifts we read about in chapter 12 through 14. It's a gift given by the grace of God. God gives a gift of singleness. And the Bible tells us that gifts are given so that we can help others in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter tells us that the gifts are given so that we can serve one another. And so what you need to understand is if you're single and this is the gift that God has given you, God has given you this gift so that you can serve the body of Christ. Now let me say, not everyone that is single has the gift of singleness. Some singles desperately want to be married. And if you desperately want to be married, I, I doubt that you have the gift of singleness. What I've discovered is some people are single for a season. And there are other people that are single for a reason. The reason may be that, that God is doing something in your life right now. And until God does that something in your life, you need to be single. So you may need to ask yourself, if you don't have the gift of singleness, what is it that God is doing in my life? And then it may be that there is some sin in your life that God wants to deal with. And before you get married, God is graciously giving you an opportunity to deal with this sin that is going to affect you and your relationship with other people. And so you may need to ask yourself, what is that sin that I need to deal with? But if you're single and you're content, then I would say to you that whether it's temporary or permanent, you need to see your singleness now as a gift from God to be used for the body of Christ. The third thing I would say to you from 1 Corinthians 7 is this. Whether you're married or unmarried, you need to remain committed to sexual purity. Listen to what Paul said in verse 9. He said, but if you can't control yourselves, go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with lust. Both men and women, the married and the unmarried, must wage war against lust, against sexual, sexual sin in our overly sexual society. I was born in the 60s, grew up in the 70s and the 80s. And let me tell you what, our society, though I would have thought it never could, has gotten more and more sexual. We see sex everywhere we turn, driving down the road, turn on the TV, flip open the computer. It's there before us. And we're tempted by sex. And I want to go a step further. Though the Bible says that sex, I believe, is a gift from God, there are many even in the church that has turned the gift into a God. And we've gotten to the point that we worship and adore and we long for sex to the degree that it's become more important to us than our relationship with God. And so what do we need to do? Well, we need to recognize that sex outside of marriage is wrong period. If you're married, the only sex is between you and your spouse. If you're unmarried, you don't have sex. That says casual sex, hookup sex is sin. 
That means sex within what you consider a committed relationship, if you're not married, is sin. That means living together and having sex outside of marriage is sin. Don't do it. For those who are married, it means sex with anyone other than your spouse is sin. And I would add to that, to both the married and the unmarried, pornography is sin. You may say, well, pornography is with another person. Oh, yes, it is. You're looking at pictures, you're watching videos. People are involved in that, and you're lusting, and that's sin. The Bible makes it clear that if you can't keep yourself sexually pure as a single, then the remedy for that is to get married. You better find yourself the mate that's going to be committed to the Lord with you. The fourth thing that Paul tells us is this. Marriage brings its own troubles. Can I get an amen from the married crowd? Marriage brings its own troubles. Listen to what he said in verse 28. He said, those who get married at this time will have troubles. Now, I'm trying to spare you these problems. I mean, it's hard enough as a sinner to live with yourself. Amen? Amen. I mean, you throw another sinner into the mix, living with them 24-7. It's tough. It's filled with troubles. I've got a near-perfect wife. (laughs) But I got to tell you, there's troubles. There's troubles. No, that's not... Hey, I didn't ask for a witness, especially not from you. (laughs) So Paul says we have troubles. Now now listen, Paul isn't talking so much about the trouble between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife here. He's talking about the troubles that that the couple is going to face in the world in which he lived at that time. Persecution was getting heavier and heavier. In AD 70, the the Romans came in, destroyed the temple. Christians were being arrested. I mean, it was getting tough. The Apostle Paul was saying, times are going to get tougher. And it will be easier on you if you're not married. And as we look to the end times, the Bible makes it clear that as we approach the end times, times are going to get difficult. If you don't think times are going to get difficult, then you haven't read Scripture. And the Apostle Paul says, as times get more and more difficult, It's easier for you if you're not married. Fifth thing, being single is more like heaven. Now, let me say that again. Being single is more like heaven. The Bible teaches that marriage is until death do us part. And so what that means is if you're married, you're married. You stay married until one of you die. That doesn't mean kill your spouse. It just means that you've made a commitment in God's eyes that you're going to stay married until one of you die. But the Bible does say once you die, you're no longer married. And unfortunately, some of us have the idea that we we want to stay married even after we die. We want to take our marriage into heaven with us. And the Bible doesn't teach that. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in verses 29 and following. He said, but let me say this to your brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. And then he said, for this world as we know it will soon pass away. 
The Apostle Paul was saying that this world as we know it, the things of this world, the systems of this world, even the systems that God put in place in this world will one day pass away and that's coming soon. Now one of those things that will pass away is marriage. Jesus made that very clear. Some religious leaders came to Jesus, was trying to tempt him and, and get him to stumble and say something he shouldn't say. And, and so they brought this, this question to Jesus. They said, this man was married to this woman and he died and they didn't have kids. And, and the woman married her brother so that, so that he could provide kids for her to carry on the brother's lineage. And he died, they didn't have kids. And the woman married every brother, every one of them died, they never had kids. So whose wife will she be in heaven? And Jesus said, she won't be any of their wives. Uh, listen to what he said. He said in chapter 22, verse 30, For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. Now, i got to be honest with you, I don't like that. I mean, I've kind of pictured all my life that when, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have my mansion, and, and even if Sherry has her mansion, she's going to rent it out, and she's going to stay in my mansion with me. You know, I've, I've kind of figured, you know, I kind of like this marriage thing with my wife. I want to stay married even after we get to heaven. And um, she may not feel the same way. She may say, I'm ready for some space. <laughs> but we're not going to live like that in heaven. It's not going to be like that. I want you to hear me. Your relationship with your spouse that you have today, it's not going to be like that when you get to heaven. The relationship that you have with your children today, it's not going to be like that when you get to heaven. They're not going to be your spouse when you get to heaven. They're not going to be your children when you get to heaven. You're going to have relationships with them, but it's going to be completely and totally different than it is today. Pat Williams wrote a book about John Wooden. John Wooden was the great coach of the UCLA basketball team that won all those national championships. And, and um, John Wooden has died. He's in heaven now. But one of the things that Pat Williams wrote about was his, his relationship with his wife, Nellie. He loved Nellie dearly. And she died in 1986. And, and John Wooden, every month on the day of his wife's death, he would write a note to his wife and he would put it on her pillow. Every month. On the day she died, he would write her a note and put it on her pillow. He continued that until he died. Several days before his death, he was in the hospital. A friend came to visit him. And John Wooden was obviously a little agitated trying to get out of the hospital bed. And his friend said, what are you doing? He said, I've got to get up and shave. I'm about to go see my wife. I can relate. I mean, I can't relate because I've still got my wife, but... But you know, if she passes before me, I, can, I think I can relate to that because I, I love my wife dearly. But Nellie wasn't his wife when he saw her. The relationships were completely different. And what we need to understand is singles are experiencing relationships today I think more like we're going to experience in heaven. The final thing Paul says is that we need to use our singleness if we're single to serve the Lord. Paul makes it clear that being single allows for undistracted service. Listen to what he says. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. And an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work, thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities, how to please his wife. Can I get a witness? I mean, if you're married, you better be thinking about how to please your wife. 
If you're not, that's why you got marriage problems. I mean, when you marry someone, you're saying you want to spend your life meeting their needs. That's what you're saying to them. And so a married man has divided interest. He goes on to say, in the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities, how to please her husband. Can I get a witness from the women? I mean, you don't just live your life selfishly doing what you want to do. If you are, you're the problem in your marriage. When you marry someone, you have a responsibility to your spouse. It's no longer just about you and your needs. But the Apostle Paul says when you're not married, because you don't have those responsibilities, you have the freedom to serve the Lord uninhibited, without distractions. He goes on to say, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. I think that, that most married people would admit that when you're married, when you have children, it's a distraction. It's a good distraction, but it's a distraction. I mean, when you're married, you have kids, they take your money, they take your time, they take your attention. I mean, they suck the life out of you. I'm kidding, I'm joking there. But when you're married, you have responsibilities. The Apostle Paul says if you're not married, then you have the opportunity to serve the Lord with every ounce of your strength. There's coming a time, I don't know when it is, but there's coming a time in this world when every Christian is going to face persecution. Some believe it's going to be after the rapture. Others believe that we're going to have to go through that persecution. I'm not sure. I know there are places in the world where Christians are being persecuted today. But what I do know is there's coming a day when every single Christian will face persecution and death. Death is a distinct possibility for every Christian. And and I've thought about this. If someone came and put a gun to my head and said deny Christ or die, I, I, I think with all my heart, with every ounce of my being sitting here before you right now, I think I would say shoot me. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. I really do believe with all my heart that would be an easy thing for me to do. But if they put the gun at my wife's head, if they put the gun at my daughter's head, put the gun at my grandson's head, son-in-law's head said deny Christ or they die I gotta admit it would be different (laughs) I 
hope they would say, don't deny Christ, don't deny Christ, but I, be different. When we marry, we have other obligations, we have other responsibilities, we have, we have other commitments, other loves. When we're single, if we so choose, we really can serve the Lord with all of our heart. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, whatever we do, and I think you can add to that, whatever state you find yourself in, married, single, whatever it may be, do everything for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. If you're single, leverage it for the glory of God. If you're married, leverage it for the glory of God because that's all that matters. One day we will stand before him. We will be in his presence, the one who created us in his image, in his likeness. The one who loved us in spite of our rebellion or sin. The one who became human and then gave his life so that we could be restored and made right with him again. One day we will stand before him. And on that day, I'm here to tell you nothing else is going to really matter. The only thing that's going to matter is, did you leverage your life for the glory of God? So my challenge is, lay it on the line. Don't leave anything behind. Give it all for His glory. And to do that, you've got to know Him. <laughs> you've got to have a relationship with Him. The reality is some of you don't know about him but you've never committed your life to him you're not ready to stand before him and if that's you today I'm here to tell you the reason you're here is because God is longing to save you he's giving you chance after chance and opportunity after opportunity to become a part of his family don't squander the opportunity. If you're here and you've never given your life to him, do it today. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed. If you're here and you've never committed your life to Jesus, do it today. Pray this prayer to him with all of your heart. Dear God, I humbly come to you today acknowledging I'm a sinner. I've rebelled against you. Forgive me. I'm turning from my sin. I know, Jesus, you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave to set me free. Today I'm asking you to save me. I'm giving my life to you. From this moment on, Jesus, I want to follow you. Wherever you lead, I want to go. Thank you for hearing my prayer.
And in just a moment, we're going to stand.